Welcome to the Relatively Damaged Podcast by Damaged Parents, where supportive, cheerleading, loving people come to learn maybe, just maybe, we're all a little bit damaged. Someone once told me it's safe to assume 50% of the people I meet are struggling and feel wounded in some way. I would venture to say it's closer to 100%. Every one of us is either currently struggling or has struggled with something that made us feel less than. Like, we aren't good enough. We aren't capable. We are relatively damaged. And that's what we're here to talk about. In my ongoing investigation of the damaged self, I want to better understand how others view their own challenges. Maybe it's not so much about the damage. Maybe it's about our perception and how we deal with it. There is a deep commitment to becoming who we are meant to be. How do you do that? How do you find balance after a damaging experience? My hero is a damaged person. The one who faces seemingly insurmountable odds to come out on the other side whole. Those who stare directly in the face of adversity with unyielding persistence to discover their purpose. These are the people who inspire me to be more fully me. Not in spite of my trials, but because of them. Let's hear from another hero. Today's topic includes sensitive material which may not be appropriate for children. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as advice. The opinions expressed here were strictly those of the person who gave them. Today we're going to talk with Mishka Siebert. She has many roles in her life, sibling to her brother with autism, founder of Happy Autism, daughter, and more. We'll talk about how she learned to support and communicate with her brother and how doing so helped their family thrive. Let's talk. If you want to share your relatively damaged story of struggle and how you found hope, visit us at damagedparents.com and complete the contact form. Welcome back to Relatively Damaged by Damaged Parents. Today, we've got Mishka Siebert, an amazing woman. Her website is happyautism.co. She is just a beautiful spirit, and I know you're going to want to hear her story. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? I love your t-shirt, by the way. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yes, yes. The Relatively Damaged t-shirt can be found on our website at damagedparents.com. But I love this because it's uh, all the different colors. And you have a t-shirt on as well. And I'm betting we can find those at happyautism.co. Am I right? Yes. Look at (laughs) us. Cross promotion. I love it. (laughs) Shout out to the magic. (laughs) Right. But there's something special about the art on your website. Tell our audience about that. Yes. It's my brother. When he was 12, he started going to art therapy classes because he could not be still and concentrate and he would not sit and try for like more than three minutes. So he started going to new school and I started going to university in London. He said, it's going to new school and we had big changes in our life. And he came home and brought this really beautiful first three paintings. We were like, whoa, this is really beautiful. Actually, one of them was Angel. And another was Flowers for Mom. And another one was the one that we have in our Spectrum collection. And it was the 
one when I looked at it, I was like, this is no way my brother painted this. What? Like he doesn't know how to draw, write, read. Like he's not able to do so many things. And I was always believing that there's something. Like first I wanted him to be model. Like I was always taking pictures of him and I was like, he's going to be connected to fashion for sure. Like I just knew that. I was like, I had this feeling. And then, <laughs> so he with his painting and we were just so in love with this and we were like okay I knew he's got a future I just felt it I knew it somewhere and we were just supporting it and really helped him express his own feelings and calm down and as we started developing it more and more we realized he's very talented and now my my dream was always for him to be creative and independent and and not for any teacher or anyone to tell him what to do so I documented it in an article that we got lucky to got fund from Adobe and it was amazing. And it was a very emotional journey for me as a filmmaker to share a very personal story of my brother, but also to capture the beauty of our relationship and showcase how I believe in him and how I was leaning into trust instead of control. And I was letting him guide me and show me what he wanted to say with his art. So that's why we have it on our clothing, because we want to make sure that he advocates for himself. He's earning his own money. He's the creative director of our business and he's making creative decisions and he's being seen and heard. Even though he's nonverbal, he's got a very loud voice. I love what you said in the very last, even though he's nonverbal, he has a very loud voice. So I also heard you say he's a creative director. Yes. Business. I mean, those are big roles and he's nonverbal. Yes. Like, I know. I love that. That just says that, that there's so much value in what he has to bring to the table. And yeah. it sounds like even without being verbal, without communicating in the same way that we do, you very much learned how he does communicate. Yes. And yes, what yes, was yes. that journey like? Because you were what, nine when he was born? Yes, I was nine when he was born. The thing is that, you know, he had this kind of regression thing happening around the age two around. So he started saying some words and making sounds of like animals and like, I don't know, motorbike or car and all those kind of things. Like we had to kind of think it's funny because at the time I was actually recording something like podcast for myself, just for myself, just being creative since I was basically forever because my granddad was a TV director. So I was all around artists and media since I was a baby, literally. <laughs> so, you know, my mom was performing pregnant in the theater. So I'm just an artist since I was a fetus. But anyway, so I was just like recording that and I was recording the sounds. And I remember I was recording a tape and he knew how to say certain things. And then regression happened around two and a half years. And he stopped speaking less and less. And he was not saying any word. the only word he can say properly is mama. He calls me mama and he calls my mom mama. Well, I, probably for a reason. Because <laughs> I was like, he's a kind of mom. <laughs> and he says maybe just a few words, but they don't really have a meaning in terms of our own language. But he can express himself those words in a way that they have meaning in terms of he's using his tonality he's using his gesture he's expressing his emotions through facial expression and also through energy and emotion so I started tapping into my own spiritual gifts since I was a kid and and I didn't know that what I'm doing actually to be honest now I know it's channeling and I know it's energy reading and I know that we have this telepathic energy connection between us that I just know and I can tap into his energy and know what he's feeling and what needs he needs to have met and like how he feels about things like I just sense it he just sends this energy and I read it because I'm extremely intuitive and extremely sensitive and extremely empathic 
And that kind of unlocked even more within me because I had huge desire to understand him. Like he's my brother. Like I didn't know what autism is. So I was like, he's my brother. And I felt very sad and heartbroken that I want to understand him and I want to communicate with him. I want to play with him. So I was constantly just around him, like little needy, <laughs> little Mishka. I just wanted so much to connect with my brother, which I kind of like my mom and I said, we kind of fell in love with him. He's pure, beautiful soul. It was very special and very unique. And that's how the journey came for being unverbal. Like now I understand him and I know and I treat him. Like for me, the big thing was to start treating him like he understands, even though my mom's many questioned this many times, even in his teenager, even now when he's 18. But I had the feeling like I had to believe and trust my intuition and knowing. And I was like, let's try like what we can lose. Let's try that he understands. Let's try give him the role. Let's try asking me questions. And let's try having belief and going beyond our own limitations. And I was working a lot about my fears and limitations. And I'm like, what if there's more beyond what I believe to be true? What if there is more beyond what psychologists say? And say and told us when he was little like he will not be able to do, 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 do. they didn't tell us what he will be able to do he told us right. what he won't be able to do so i was like no 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 let's see i'm a believer let's just completely just crash all of this break the walls and my mom was shocked each time she's like whoa he understands you he really does understand a lot and he understands what you're saying I don't talk to him like slowly. I literally talk to him like, listen, bro. So I even like set a tone that it's like a business like. I'm going to talk to him this weekend. I'm going to actually record a video about this because of how we talk, because it's very fascinating. It's in our last episode of Viral Dependence as well, when I actually filmed us having these conversations. And you can see like he's really listening and paying attention. And he's showing, he's very independent of, I wanted to make, he feel that he's got a voice and I really value him. My job was to let go of control and lean into trust mm-hmm. and really, really let go of his control and just surrender and let him take control and tell me and lead. That was a huge lesson for me, but really changed our whole relationship and our business because I didn't want to be the one that constantly does everything. And has to make the changes constantly, be the strong woman and blah, blah, blah. I wanted him to be the man that comes and says this, and that's how it is. And I respect that. And it's amazing. He's so confident. Yeah, I love that. And at the same time, you, it sounds like, had to step out of the way. Yes. Because it sounds like in some ways, your beliefs were even limiting the possibility of communicating and when you were Mm -hmm. able to let go of that and say you know let's just behave as if and now look and I really liked that you talked about how there's like this intrinsic value that comes from that connection he feels value and you feel value like it's a relationship and while you are more capable in some ways He's got this other artistic talent, this different artistic talent. He's Mm. very capable in that way. And he has Mm. his own opinions. And I think we forget to think about that as a society. You know, I think there are those of us who know that. And then there are those of us that just forget or we get into life and that's on the back burner. True. Very true. It's, It's very transformational for me. And I very beautiful, this whole journey. 
because we just, you know, spent so much time together during quarantine and since March 2020, like, it's just we actually launched our own collection of we launched our brand in March, April 2020. So we were like super productive. We spent so much time together filming YouTube videos and we're doing this and documentary and collection. And he's got five streams of income and he's got like so many things. And we were just like, he was loving it. I was loving it. And he just is literally saying no, like really voicing his no with his energy and the way he just like says it. He doesn't have to say it. He shows up with this no when he doesn't want me to go and ask him and give him advices or whatever. He's like, he just kind of like pushes me. He was like, no, 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 no. I've got this. Okay. I've got it. Because before he was also constantly just leaning for the guidance and looking at me and doubting himself. Like, should I use this color? Should I use this brush? Because that's what he was taught at school. And I told my mom, let's ditch his art classes. He's been going there for six years. And I spoke to his teacher and she didn't kind of, like we weren't aligned in beliefs and I was like okay fine mom let's end this art classes I'm just taking the mentorship into my own hands in that way that I know that I can mentor him in a way that I understand him and see him and I see him that's the whole point is like I see him I don't put him in a box what is it that I think Susan David says Saubana I see into you, I think is what that word means. I love that word. Like, that's what I'm hearing from you. I see him, not his physical limitations, not his limitations in this world. For lack of a better way to explain it, I see him, Mm -hmm. this spiritual being that he is. Exactly. Yes, you beautifully said it and put it into words because that's exactly how it is with us. And that's why I'm like a huge advocate to like showing people like, I'm like a bridge. I call myself the bridge and I call happy autism the bridge between the worlds. We can say neurotypical and neurodiverse worlds. I can say physical and spiritual world. Even when my mom sometimes calls me and she's like, yeah, like she sent me a voice message and from my brother. And she was like, no, she sent me a voice message about herself taking a break and she wanted to go to spa, whatever, for a few days. And she was trying to find you know, she was trying to organize like a uh, assistant that would come with her so she could play with some core in a pool, whatever, and my mom could be relaxed or something like that. You know, she just wanted to have a break. And since some core is on, he's with her only, I'm not there. He is aware that I'm away and he knows he took this role really seriously. I told him that you ha- you're the man in the family right now. Like you need to help my mom. And he was there helping her. But what happened is that he just said something in a voice message, like he wanted a part of the conversation. And he was like, yo, 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 or something like that. Because that's his word, yo, yo, yo. (laughs) And (laughs) he said something. And then I called my mom. I'm like, mom, I feel that Samko needs your validation that you're not going to leave him, that he's feeling kind of a fear of abandonment and that he needs your assurance that... you need to be assured of your love and that you're not going to leave him because he feels fragile and vulnerable because he's dependent on you. And he also feels that you're going for changes and you're meeting new people and so on. And you're not constantly with him like during quarantine. So just talk to him. 
like have an honest conversation with him and have a very mature and adult conversation with him. He's an adult. So she's like, see, this is exactly like what I need to hear because sometimes I need to be reminded of that to include him in a conversation. I was like, yes, exactly. He wants to be in a conversation and he wants to be where. So she had a conversation with him and he was and a call with him and he was super happy. He was like, yeah. <laughs> things like that are really important. You know, sometimes we forget about these things, but it's very important. Yeah, it's kind of like, I'm going to make a Winnie the Pooh reference, but and although depression is not the same, it's kind of like making sure Eeyore is invited, whether Eeyore chooses to come or not, right? Like the choice is there for them. (laughs) I don't know if that made sense, but it did in my mind. (laughs) That's important. If you did in your mind, that's all good. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad. So growing up though, I mean, nine years old, having this brother two years later, you're 11 when he starts regressing and much of a childhood, what happened there? I mean, I'm thinking there was probably some struggle along the way where this connection did not exist, or maybe even you didn't want it to exist. I don't know your whole story. So Mm -hmm. I would love to hear what that journey was like. Well, yes, like there was not much about autism out there. We had some books. We were told horror stories. (laughs) There was not much information or help or resources. So my parents struggled a lot. They were fighting. They were trying to figure out things, even though they were told that we will have to go the same way constantly and just have a routine. My parents were like, no, 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 we're going to travel. We're going to go to places that are unknown. We're going to go to new places because we cannot stop traveling and going to holidays just because we're told that we're limited in this way because well it was very stressful obviously because we were already traveling with him so whatever and it was very stressful and there was one moment which actually happened earlier before he was diagnosed and I spoke about that in my podcast and it was very emotional for me so to share that because that was one of the big kind of uh, situations that cause kind of trauma and anxiety within me, which I wasn't aware until like a few months ago, and which is crazy, right? And it was about that we were in Croatia, we were in a hotel room, and I woke up in the evening my, to my brother crying in his little crib. He was uh, 10 months old. And so I was at the time I was nine. So he's crying like historically and like a baby, of course. I don't see my parents anywhere. I don't have a phone. I didn't know they left. I couldn't leave the room. I felt like I'm in a prison. And like, imagine like I'm there sitting on a bed, woken up from sleep and he's crying. And I'm just so stressed out because I don't know what to do and how to help him. Like I was just, I remember that I was sitting on a bed on the edge of, at the edge of the bed and I was just sitting there and trying, holding him and trying to calm him down, crying with him feeling so hopeless and helpless that I have no idea what to do. I'm just a child with another child and my parents just nowhere. So I felt very abandoned in the moment. And I felt that so overwhelmed by this, that I am having this huge responsibility for another life. <laughs> I'm not a baby. Like this is a life. It's a very fragile being. It's 10 months old. It can't do anything. Like can't even walk, right? So I'm just holding him. And I remember that I spoke a little English. So I called the receptionist and I told them just crying on the phone. It's like, hey, I don't know where my parents are. Like this is the roof, uh, 402 or whatever. And just like, could you just like find them or something? And then they came and of course they took care of the situation. My mom completely forgot about the situation. And I told her now, and I told her how I realized that even though 
nothing's happening. My brother is just so chilled out. He's very aware of danger. When he was a kid, he would constantly, we would go for a walk and he would just run. Like I would try to hold him in my hand, but he would not care about any danger. There would be a dog walking past us. He would go and push the dog. And I had all these horror situations like, okay, the dog will bite him. Then I will have a problem with the owner. If there is some child, he will push a child because he wants to have physical contact and some communication. They will shout at me. There's another danger. Then we have cars around going very fast. They will kill him. So I have horror stories in my head. I'm like 12 or 13. And he will just not hold my hand and he will fight me. He will spit at me, have a meltdown, just too much. So this would happen a lot. And the first years of after his diagnosis were just the worst. And he would have meltdowns. He would have this crazy, just like crying constantly. Even if my grandparents came to visit us, he would just cry, just like scream, cry. Like, like if someone was like, cutting him or something like it was horrible and I would not have a calm moment I shared a room with him he literally had bunk bed I had no space I had no private space at all and I didn't feel safe and also I just felt constantly stressed this is a big thing for me that I realized that when I left to study in London I would burn out and I would have panic attacks in the loud crowded places. I was anxious a lot. And I feel like London was my dream city, but then I didn't realize how much I need calm spaces and how much I need quiet and peace and quiet for me and how much I need nature. So I was very, very, very much struggling in that city. Even though it was like my dream and professionally, it was wonderful, but spiritually and mentally was the worst (laughs) for me. But then it forced me to actually pay attention to my mental health and start really digging deep and taking care of myself. Yeah. This was a very big thing. So even though there's nothing much happening, like even around him, like I I tell my mom, I cannot travel with him. Like I can't because I know that responsibility is going to be on me. And I'm already responsible for, you know, it's just like I, I would always carry someone else's responsibilities and I had to put very strict boundaries in my relationship with my family. So you're talking about like when you were growing up, you didn't want to travel with him or does he not travel? You don't travel with him now still or? If you want to share your relatively damaged story of struggle and how you found hope, visit us at damagedparents.com and complete the contact form. So you're talking about like when you were growing up, you didn't want to travel with him or does he not travel? You don't travel with him now still or? Um, no, we travel, but it was always stressful. So he loves traveling right now. He really does love that. But it was a lot of stress for us and still is, even though, you know, I'll just go beyond kind of like when he was little, he would do things like priority boarding and things like that, uh, special needs kind of assistance. Now I do that. I'm like, let's spoil us, not him. He's spoiled already, but let's spoil us. Let's get the support. Like he's 18, but I now I'm asking for support. We should have done this like ages ago, but I didn't know about this. So now I'm just like, yeah, treat us like kings and queens because like we're so stressed. We need to just like chill. <laughs> well, and that's a hard journey, I think too, because it sounds like you took on so much for yourself. You know, you were talking about being worried 
for him all the time, what you had to think about everything that would possibly go wrong in your teenage years. I'm thinking that this is happening. And all of a sudden, so now maybe there's this idea that that is your job. So how did you shift? I mean, it sounds like you just stayed in that because that's what you knew for some time, but when did that shift and when did it open up and go, oh, wow, maybe I don't need to be this way anymore? That's a very good question because of course it's straight away. Like it took some time. I started seeing negative effects, very big ones. There were two catalyst moments for me in my life. One was in 2016 when I burned out very bad burnout. And I said, I have depression and anxiety and panic attacks. Like it's just, everything was bad. I, I was just like a zombie. Two times in my life, I was a zombie. 2016 and 2019. 2016 was when I burned out. And I realized that I'm just stretching myself too thin and I'm just trying to please everyone. I'm constantly just saying yes to everything and taking too many responsibilities in my life. So when you say zombie, is it more like that... You were there and going through the motions, or is it more like just numb to the world? Do you see what I'm saying? What is your definition of zombie? (laughs) For me, it's just like having no life because I'm very much, you know, like people knew me as very positive, as very happy, and just very like kind of light and bubbly and joyful and good energy. But there's another thing many people didn't know that I was hiding a lot behind my smile. Like I did not process my feelings as a child. I didn't know how to navigate my emotions. And I was constantly tired a lot because I didn't know how to manage it. Obviously, most likely I was depressed as a child as well, because I had suicidal thoughts when I was 12. I felt like I'm a burden to my mom and I'm adding more to her. And when she just like told me off for not making my bed and I felt like this is the worst thing ever. And it's funny, you know, there was around the time when my brother was diagnosed. So I was like, maybe if I jump out of this window, like she will no longer have that many problems and I will just lift the weight of our shoulders. They were my thoughts when I was 12. And and didn't, of course, do it, but because <laughs> I'm here, right? But like, it's just for me, realizing that now, like I just kind of remembered that moment last year when it kind of my inner child came to me, showing me, I was like, this is something you need to release these emotions. So I released this emotion from the age of 12 at the age of 26. And... It was a lot, it was a lot of pain of loneliness and not feeling seen and heard and feeling neglected and abandoned and just feeling like whatever I do, I will never be enough and that I'm not enough because I mean, I call this the helper character and that took on sacrifice mindset. These two kind of like things I call was just like defined that I was earning love through being the helper. Because I realized that, oh, so that is how I get this attention that I'm really seeking. This is how I get the love. People tell me, oh, you're such a good sister. Oh, it's so amazing what you're doing for a brother. Like now it kind of, tr- now I say trigger me, but things like, yes, but like, I didn't want it to be my only identity that I'm especially sibling. It's like um, what I'm hearing you say, because we talked earlier about your brother and, and how you see him. And yet it sounds like you didn't feel seen for so long that your soul was just scared and sad and suffering. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, as siblings, and I spoke to other beautiful young women around my age who have bladders or siblings that are on autism spectrum. And they told me that, yeah, that like you were talking about this and they're like, wow, the first time someone actually understands me, like my whole life, nobody understood me. 
like no one, no friends, no, my parents didn't understand, like no one. I feel seen for the first time. Like, this is just so beautiful. And we cry, like we cried, like both of us. We were just literally felt like we were sisters on the soul level. And it was so beautiful. And we're like, oh, like we're giving something to our inner children that we wished we had when we were children. Someone that could be and say, it's like, yeah, you matter as well. Like you matter. And because we had this kind of mindset that's like, oh, my needs are not important because they're not special. Like, right. Mm -hmm. I don't have any disability or anything like that, or it's not seen. So, because this happens actually to late diagnosed autistics that are women. And I spoke to one of them, Vicky, and she said that her sister is more visibly disabled than she is. She was diagnosed very late. I think 27, I'm not sure. And she said that, yes, yeah, so I was overlooked constantly and neglected as a child. So she was very fighting hard to get her diagnosis. And it took her three times to actually get a diagnosis. So she could be seen and validated that, yes, she's got right to get help and support, which is crazy if we look at that it's just we have to fight to be seen that's like it's a big thing yeah I think um, that might be part what you said was really important and I think that might be part of the problem is that people aren't just inherently seen and heard it's like you have to fight there's this no I am struggling and even just in how you have to get supports from government or things like that if you don't go take on this identity of I am non-operable, it seems like, right? That I am fully disabled. Then they're like, well, pff, you don't need help. <laughs> and that's yeah. not true. Like we all need help. Just some of us might need it differently than other people, I think. And definitely the other thing I heard or that I picked up on that I thought was really interesting was that you had these feelings of not being seen and heard and it seems like it was really clear that you could see that in your brother, but it took some time for you to recognize that even in yourself and to start maybe loving that part of you that didn't get that. And when you did that, was it freeing? Was it just like a peace? What feelings came with that? Well, in that 2016, when I burned out, my friends talked about this kind of regression therapy in a child, something like it's like one method. And I immediately was like, whoa. And that's where I started doing this inner child and trauma work. And I did it with a practitioner for three hours. I was just crying and crying and crying and releasing so much that I had on the side of me. It was so freeing because this woman, I was actually healing the mother wound. And this woman was so supportive and I saw such a strong person that was in my room sitting there and just saying, keep going, keep going. Don't give up. You've got this. You can do it, Mishka. And I was just releasing so much pain. And after that session, I felt like I'm on a cloud. I felt so light and felt so free, peaceful. So I started doing those sessions and I did a few of them with her. And then later on, and I started learning how to do that for myself. And I started going through a lot of spiritual healing, doing it in different modalities. But for the big one and the moment that it changed my life was this one. And that was the connection to my inner child. And I just realized that what I do, I see the inner child in people and I have very special connection to children as well. And especially those ones that are like autistic or special needs. So I see them, right? You do. So I started seeing myself. Yeah, your spirit lights up when you're like, I see them and I'm thinking, yeah, 
I know that like when you said it, that resonated is true. And just based on our conversation, how could you not see them? You've yeah. been around your brother for so long that you recognize it. And that's yes. just, oh, that's so beautiful. It's very, very beautiful. For me, I just realized, wow, like this is my purpose. This is the whole kind of like the circle, like that all the puzzle connects and it clicks. Like, of course, like I had to start seeing myself more. I was seeing myself and the little girl inside of me and listening to her and caring for her and reparenting her and giving her what my parents could not give. Because obviously they were not provided everything as children and it's like generational. So I started doing this work and a lot and a lot and just like healing myself and accepting myself and loving on myself and having compassion for everything and releasing this guilt and forgiving myself and everyone. And that's how I could see myself even my brother even more. And that's what helped that relationship. That was the key thing, healing myself in order to heal our relationship and all the trauma that I experienced with him. And that's how we could establish healthier and healthier relationship where we're both seen equally. And that is the biggest thing for me. It's that the middle, it's not just sacrificing myself and being in the caregiver role, but actually allow myself to have my own life and identity without that special need sibling box. And also being there for him and having this beautiful connection with him. And that is the kind of the middle where I wish and all the siblings were in their own way, obviously, in their own unique way, because what I see is so much pain and so much trauma and so much resentment towards their siblings and so many toxic, very, very hurtful relationships between families and siblings. Sometimes they cut their family completely. And they say like very nasty things and their parents don't see them. It's just very painful for me and heartbreaking when I read those stories and messages. So the parents sometimes with the autistic children don't spend time with those kids or ship them off or whatever. And then, okay, I didn't realize that was still happening. Yes, it's still. And there are so many adult siblings that are really like, even they try to help their sibling, but their parents are like, standing away and just not accepting and not seeing things because siblings don't siblings see things differently right if there is something happening and if the parents are letting in the sibling that for example is autistic take advantage of their own situation and just be abusive or and just take advantage in, in a negative way like the sibling sees that many times and the parents don't want to see that they don't want to hear which is very painful because it's not good for anyone it's not good for the autistic one to to be manipulative and being you know like it's it's such codependency and happening over there so I could see it in my brother when he was little I could actually see that when he was spoiled and when he was taken advantage of the fact that he's a center of attention I spotted it I was like mama and there's something (laughs) happening like he knows what he's doing he's very aware and she's like oh yeah thank you for telling me and I'm so grateful that my mom was like that that she was actually listening and she was trying to always be fair and treat us with fairness and equality which is why I'm so grateful for that because in that way, my voice could be heard in some ways. And obviously she tried to be the best mom. And she felt a lot of guilt when I was sharing these things with her. But I told her, mom, like, I don't blame you. You know, I love you. And I'm so grateful for you. 
it's my job to heal all of this. And I'm very blessed and grateful that I know how to do that. And I can show others how to do that. And then I can guide them and help them yeah. uh, because we're all in this together. Like your inner child was not seen many times. You have mother wounds, you have father wounds, you have own things. So I helped her heal that also showing her. And that's how she knows now, like what's happening. And she f- can feel more, she can feel whole. And we can be whole people. It's We're not perfect, okay, of course not. But we are able to have those tough conversations and, and spot some codependency or toxic behavior and really try to bring as much healthy approach as possible. But it's a journey. Yeah, I really love your, because you're an inner child healer and coach and channeler, which we didn't say. I did not say that at the beginning of the podcast, but I don't know that you're just an inner child healer, coach and channeler. I think you're like a family healer. Something amazing, like just from how you're talking about, it's not about just the autistic child. It's not just about the child that's not autistic. It's not just about the parents. It's like this whole family unit and you can see how it connects. And I really think that's beautiful. Yeah. We are at that point in the podcast though, where I ask for three tips or tools. I do not tell you ahead of time, I'm going to ask for this. So the only way you would know is if you listened. So, because I believe that the universe, whatever, however you choose to believe that whatever we're supposed to hear as listeners or in this specific podcast will be what pops into your mind in this moment. So three tips or tools. Okay. And three tips on tools for what specific you would like to know. Anything? Anything. We're going to trust the universe, God, or your beliefs. <laughs> Funny because first thing came to me, which... I would not, if you ask me in a form or something like that, I wouldn't probably put it there, but straight what came to me is breath work because that's what I'm focusing on a lot. And now being present and being in my body, being in body and feeling safe in body is life-changing. So breath work and embodiment, those two tools for me are absolutely life-changing. And inner child talk is the third one which I can just describe it a little. It basically is like imagine yourself as a little child, or you can even look at a photo and tell that little girl or boy what you wish your parents would tell you and say those things like, you're beautiful, you're smart, I love you, I'm here for you, you're safe. And just kind of like this is the connection that you can start having with that part within you. And really listen, even if you journal, like I tell my clients, journal, ask your inner child what they want to tell you, what she wants to tell you, what he wants to tell you. Like, just like start writing, like, what does my inner child want to know? Like, how does my inner child want me to treat her or him? And this way you can create this beautiful connection and also like provide for yourself the deepest, most beautiful love and compassion and healing that there is, I believe. I'm so glad I got to have you on the show. We've got Mishka Sievert here. With, she's from Happy Autism. She's on Instagram with both of those tags, Mishka Sievert and Happy Autism. Or you can go to her website, happyautism.co. And I hope you buy a shirt. Yes, super, my brother and us. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure and such a beautiful conversation. And I really love your energy and everything. Thank you very much. You're welcome. If you want to share your relatively damaged story of struggle and how you found hope, 
Visit us at damagedparents.com and complete the contact form. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Relatively Damaged by Damaged Parents. We really enjoyed talking to Mishka about how she helped to keep her brother engaged in life. We especially liked when she spoke about how important and vital her brother is in the company they have together. Tonight with other damaged people, connect with us on Facebook, look for Damaged Parents. We'll be here next week, still relatively damaged. See you then.